you've got your Bibles, why don't we open up to the book of 1 Peter towards the end, the back of your Bible. We're going to get there in just a second, give you a quick review of where we've been. By the way, next week is time change. It's always a weird thing. This is the good one, by the way. We fall back, we gain an hour. So that's in it, the old days prior to smartphones, we would have to set our clocks back. Remember that? That was a whole thing. And people would, they'd be late on the spring forward because I, oh, I forgot to set my clock back. But then they would be late on the fall back. And I'm like, it doesn't work that way. You're supposed, oh, I forgot to set my clock back. Well, you should have been here an hour early. I don't know what happened to you. But we now have these smartphones, incredible devices that change with the time and let us know when to get up. So get here. It's going to be crazy day next week. Be patient with each other. It's family fest. It's going to be a ton of fun. We're going to have a blast. And just be ready to hang out afterwards. And like I said, just be patient with each other. Be patient with the parking team. They're trying to make room for everybody. There's a lot of you guys over three services. And so we're trying to figure all of that out as I've been discussing with the, the past few weeks. As our church is growing, uh, it creates some problems, right? Some logistical problems. And we're trying to solve that. And your patience helps us. So when you come and tell me, I already got like four emails about before even service is over. <laughs> like, hey, this is a problem. This is, I know, I know, I know. Just be patient with us and pray. Pray for God's miraculous provision that we're able to do something exceedingly abundantly more than we could ask or imagine or think for his glory here in Homestead. And uh, it's, as you can see, packed. And part of that is because of baptism. Some move from 9 to 10. But overall, the church is pretty full. And so you guys, you guys matter. Sometimes I think you... You think it doesn't matter if you're, if you're here. It matters. You, you matter, right? And if it doesn't matter if you're not here, then it doesn't matter if you are here. And that's just not true. It matters because you matter. And you're, you're hanging on to the goodness of God inside of you, and you're a light. So come and shine. So we've been in this series, First Peter and Lord willing, we'll finish up today if I move quickly enough. And uh, it's some strong themes in here, some tough ones, like submission and suffering. Nobody's like signing up, can I, can I take the, the suffering course? Uh, no, they don't want to do that. We're trying to avoid the suffering course. But Peter's saying, hey, when this happens in life, you can have some resolve, some grit, some determination, some stick to is a good word, that you would hang on and just know that God's going to take care of it. The suffering part is not going to last forever. But we also know that there's some good things, like we are born to a living hope. New birth, right? I'm thankful for being able to restart every day. You know what I mean? You don't have to wait till January to do a reboot in your life. Some of you are like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start that diet in January. I'm like, why are you waiting until January? That is like, that's a couple months away, right? But you can start today. Today is the day of salvation. Make the changes today. Let the Lord work in you. And if you have that new birth, you're born to a living hope, as I said. And with that comes an inheritance, it's a godly inheritance. It's something that God has put aside for you for all of eternity. It says it's imperishable. It's uncorruptible. Nobody can steal it. That is good news, church, that there is something set up. God is shielding it with his power. He is protecting it for you for all of eternity. And I just love that we're able to have those things. And so that knowing that, that there's something on the back end for us creates a little space. We should follow him out of obedience, out of a love for him. But knowing this thing is on the back end ch kind of charges me up. This final chapter, Peter puts some emphasis on some responsibilities. And he starts 
talking, of course, to the church in light of the troubled times. But he begins to exhort or teach or encourage the elders first and then on to the younger folks. And he, he gets this into the elders and he really breaks it down for them. And elder is not just an age term, although age is somewhat important, right? It's not the only thing that matters. Your maturity in Christ, Paul did tell Timothy, his young protege, to let, not let any man despise his youth. So when it, that's not the only category, but you should have some years in the faith before you're just launched into it. You can talk to people about Jesus. But if you met Jesus today, I'm probably not going to give you a microphone to preach in here next week. That's just not going to happen in case you're wondering. And as I said in the first couple services, somebody corrected me, of course. Uh, I said that there's no, there's no general stars, right, in the military. Uh, you know, not, not on 19-year-olds, right? They have to go through some, through some things. Well, somebody came back from some 16-year-old general in like 1500s or something. at Congress, and I was like, okay, you win. Um, but... For the majority of time, the generals are not in their teens. We'll say that. How's that? Uh, and, and so there's this challenge that he's writing to us. So let's dig in. First Peter chapter 5, verse 1. Simon Peter writes, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. So as an elder, Simon Peter says, as an apostle, right, as one um, who can say a witness to these things. Now back to Acts chapter 1, 8, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be by witnesses. That type of witness is saying you're actually going to open your mouth and you're going to testify to God's goodness. You're going to let everybody know that he's done an incredible work in your life and that things change and you're testifying about him. This is actually the eyewitness. Like I saw these things. I saw the suffering of Christ. Simon Peter saw it. He was there. He, he witnessed this thing. In fact, he actually turned his back on Jesus when he denied it. Aren't you one of the disciples? No, I never knew him, right? And which Jesus had said he would do. And so he witnessed these sufferings. And even as he departed or he ran away, he got scared that he was at least, at least within hearing distance of the torture of Jesus. And certainly probably saw some of it as they paraded him down what one song calls the Via Della Rosa, right, on the way to Golgotha to hang on a cross and to die for all sin across humanity, past, present, and future. Jesus, uh, Peter saw this. He, he witnessed the sufferings of Christ, not just the crucifixion, but also the times when the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the people came against him and, and hated him. But he says also that I'm a partaker in something, in, in, a partaker in that glory that is going to be revealed. He didn't say that might happen, that we're hoping, that we're clinging, that, that maybe, just maybe if we do good enough, if we just try hard enough, we'll get it. No, he said, to the glory that is going to be revealed, right? He says it in, in the last chapter, we said it, chapter 4, verse 13, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Just maybe Simon Peter is thinking back to, to a taste of glory on the Mount of Transfiguration in Matthew. You can find this in Matthew chapter 17 when he, Jesus is pulling back from the masses of people and even from the, 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 the 12 and, and takes Peter, James, and John a little farther and they witness something incredible, the Mount of Transfiguration and the, the glory right here on earth. 
And some of you have experienced deep moves of God in your life, tangible stuff that you've experienced. You know, it's not just, oh, I felt God and it was just the chill bumps. You know, it's not always like that. There's a discipline that we are called to. But there are times when you're like, whoa, whoa, (laughs) like that is thick. And we say things because we don't know how to describe it. And we say things like, God really showed up today. Well, here's the truth. God never left. God never left. We just heightened our awareness, or better yet, he heightened our awareness of his goodness, of his presence. And, and those are moments that, that mark us. They, they literally mark you. Some of you can go back to an altar in 1975 when God called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You can still, you can still like live in that moment, but quit, quit trying to live back there. Get the new moments that he has for you. Why not, I don't want to live off an altar call from the 70s or 80s or 90s. I want the new stuff, the fresh, the full that God has for me right now in 2023 and into 2024. So Peter's saying, I, I believe it's coming. I believe it's coming, and you might have to, you know, just lock in just a little bit, and so as he writes for his readers, which is us today, and for the church at that time, this is what he says to the elders, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Now, again, this isn't just an age term, but there is some of that involved. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. So let's break this down just a little bit. If we look at shepherding, shepherding is such a, a wild thing. And there's still shepherds. My grandfather, actually, if he had a resume, he didn't. If he had a shepherding, would have been on his resume, which is pretty incredible. My grandpa, R- Ralph Wilson, my Mother's dad from Dublin, Virginia, spent time in West Virginia, uh, some as a logger, some as a coal miner, and some as a shepherd. He was a shepherd. He understood it, and he used to talk to me a little bit about that. Really, just an incredible thing. I was in inner Mon- uh, outer Mongolia one time, traveling. Jen and I were married. I don't remember how long, and I said, hey, babe, I just need to spend some time with the Lord, just me and him. And she's like, yeah, please go. <laughs> and uh, so I went and uh, took a, a plane to Huhuhauta, which is the capital of out, Outer Mongolia. And then I took a train into uh, I'm in Inner Mongolia, and I took a train to Outer Mongolia and went out there in the grasslands and then took a bus and then took a car. And then I got in a, to this little village, and I said, I'm just trying to get to what they call a Mongubao, right? It's a tent, a, 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 a Mongolian yurt is what it is. And it's out, and I said, I just want to get to one of these. Is there some place where I can rent one? This guy, and I hopped on the back of a motorcycle. I used to travel like this a lot, by the way. And uh, they put a big Russian coat on me because it was October in Mongolia, so it was cold. Uh, not like South Florida, by the way, right? It's about to be November. It's still pretty warm. I saw snow on my buddy's uh, Instagram yesterday. He's in Denver. Remember Pastor CB that was here? There was snow on the ground. I was like, I forgot that it snows other places. Right? <laughs> We're here just like enjoying avocados and tuna tartare and stuff, and it's like amazing. But as I, I rode out there across the grasslands, just out of three, like three, two and a half, three hours, just riding over the hills through the grass, and we kind of came up, and I saw it in the distance. We came up, and we talked to this guy. He's like, you know, I didn't talk to him. This other guy talked to him. He said, yeah, you can stay here. So I stayed out there for like seven days, seven, eight days, talked to the Lord. But one day I was out there. And I just began to walk across this flat grassland and walked and walked and walked. Not so far that I couldn't see the tent. 
but I walked and I ran into a shepherd. And he was just sitting on a rock. And it's just a little rock, but he's sitting and all these hundreds of sheep around him. And I was just mesmerized by this guy. And what was even more awesome was that he spoke Chinese and I speak Chinese. I can't speak Russian. I can't speak Mongolian, but I speak Chinese. And so I, I began to talk with him and we began to converse about sheep and about life. And it's interesting. I still have a picture of him. Some of you are like, a picture? Like it's on paper. It was before cell phones. All the kids are like, what, what is that? <laughs> Back when we wrote hieroglyphics and things like that to communicate with each other before cell phones and all of that. It was uh, an actual picture I have. And we talked and, and he showed me a few things. And he was, he was like, look at, look, at, look at that sheep right over there. I was like, I think I see it. There's a lot of them. But yeah, he's like, yeah, that one with the big head. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I see. Not you with the big head on <laughs> um, He's like, watch this. And he was like, made a noise. And that, that sheep worked its way all the way through and came up to him. And he was like, patted on the head. And then he kind of shooed it away. And he was like, see that one over there, the one with the little head? Not you with the little head. <laughs> made another noise. And that sheep came up. And I was like, wow. Of course, as one who shares the gospel, like I'm like, sermons are just, just flowing in. And, you know, couldn't even, I didn't have anything to write, but I'm like logging them in my heart and in my mind. And, Man, I, I just was like, wow, and we know that scripture says that sheep will know the shepherd's voice, and how important that is, and I just began to process that, and even as I was studying this week, it, you know, my, my grandfather, who was a shepherd, he knew about sheep, but he didn't, he didn't just want me to hear his voice, he wanted me to hear his voice, and the shepherd would say the same, and I would say, I've been trusted to shepherd this community, and by the way, the responsibility is heavy, just so you know, and the requirement is heavy, and the judgment is heavy. As I read scripture, my judgment is heavier than yours. So if you, if you want to you do something like this, just know there's, there's a heavy like, cost to it, and you don't get to fool around, and even says something, and how you're going to do it should be upright, right? You can't just, you just do it for personal gain, as he says. And so like, when you think about this word shepherding, the real word is tend. Right, we tend, and Peter had this conversation with Jesus in, in John chapter twenty-one after his denial, and Jesus is reinstating Peter in the ministry because he probably felt broken, and he said, "Simon, do you love me?" And he said, "Yes, I love you." And he's like, "Take care of my sheep. Do you love me? Yes, feed my sheep. Do you love me? Tend my sheep. And tend isn't just sitting on a rock and watching them. The responsibility is a lot bigger than that. Responsibility to make sure that they don't die." they ate all the grass and leading them to greener pastures, leading them to still waters while they're trying to just sit there and eat, keeping an eye out because there's an enemy who wants to come, a wild animals and will come and eat them while they're sitting there and will drag them off and just feast on them, the lice and the bugs and the problems that we don't even think about, right, and just keeping them corralled, it's it's a real challenge, and sometimes the tending is very nice, and it's the, hey, I'm going to call you and come, and there's other times when you've got to grab a sheep by the neck, right? Anybody, any of you need to get grabbed by the neck sometimes? I know I do. I need, and sometimes the Lord just has to grab me by the neck, and I get back here and do the thing, and I'm like, yes, sir, I'm, I'm doing it, but here's what he says is that you're exercising oversight, but not under compulsion. So if you want a shepherd, if you're going to, if you're going to be an elder in this place, you don't just like... Wake up and like stupid sheep. I hate, I hate the sheep. No, you're like, 
You do this how how they say you should do this willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Not domineering, I'm, I'm a pretty direct guy. If you've been around me at all, I shoot pretty straight. Some people don't like that. Some people like that. Some people think they like it until you're direct. And then they're like, oh, that was really harsh. I'm like, I just don't have a lot of time to go like, eh, you know, skirt all the way around here just to get to the point that, hey, you need to act right. I'm just going to, hey, act right. You know, stop it. Stop sinning, right? Live for Jesus, this type of stuff. And shepherds, I think, get, get called that, but not in a way that's like, you need to listen to me because I'm in charge. I told you that last week, and charge can really mess people up. What you say is like, oh, God put this responsibility like in my care, and now I better be careful with it. And if you're a preacher in this room, especially a young one, you've probably sat out there and said, he should have used this verse. He should have used this. Here's what he, if he would have said this, the message really would have hit home. And I did some of that when I was young too. Until I got up here and recognized that you, sermons, you have to keep preparing them every Sunday, <laughs> right? And so as I drive off of this property in just a few minutes, a little while after baptism, I'll already be thinking about the messages coming up in this next season. It's like that, that's just the way the calendar works. And so what I would say is be careful. Be careful with looking above you and the people that are over you in your area don't, don't think that you're going to do better than them because when you land there, you're going to find out there's some of the tending part that you didn't really know about when you get there. Peter is writing this, of course, to the elders, and he, and he said, you've got to be willing to do this. Again, not domineering over those in your charge, but be examples to the flock. So if I'm going to tell you to read your Bible, don't you think I should read your Bible and my Bible? <laughs> not just your Bible. <laughs> the Bible. Um, if I'm going to tell you to pray, don't you think I should pray? I'm going to tell you to worship. Don't you think I should worship? Don't, shouldn't I lift my hands? I, I, if I'm not careful, I will be the lid in the organization as those who are in my leadership uh, connect group. We're learning John Maxwell. He said the law of the lid, that you will be the lid in the organization. My goodness, I don't want to be the lid here spiritually. I've got to, I'm, I'm, I'm a rope puller. I want to, I want to pull the rope. I'm not going to, you guys go ahead. I'm just going to, that's how you get in trouble. That's how King David got in trouble, isn't it? He should have been on the battlefield, but he was out on his balcony watching somebody take a bath. He shouldn't even been there. He, he became a, you know, you do as I say, not as I do type of guy. And that's what got him in trouble. So we don't want to be lording it over any, anybody. We just want to receive the position that God has put us in. Verse 4 says, and when the chief shepherd appears, who's the chief shepherd? There you go, good Bible people. You will receive the unfading crown of glory, the chief shepherd, the chief shepherd. He's the true shepherd, Ezekiel said in 34. John 10 tells us about the good shepherd. Prior to the good shepherd, he says that in John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you would have life and have it more abundantly. But then he goes on in verse 11, it says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep, right? And he goes on to talk a lot about that, about the sheep, and there's ones that aren't even in the flock yet, but they're going to come in in verse 14. And so he's not just the chief shepherd, he's the true shepherd. John 10 says he's the good shepherd. Hebrews 13, 20 says, now may the peace of God, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep. So he's not 
just, right, the chief shepherd and the true shepherd, the good shepherd, he's also the great shepherd of theirs. So I'm, I'm trying to get you to understand that I know you guys like to hear from me. I'm very aware. It's very humbling. I understand that. The staff's always like, you need to shoot a video. And people say that. I get that. But I'm trying to get you to hear his voice, that you would wake up and go after him every single day. And again, I don't have any access that you don't have. He's, he's not a respecter of persons. He wants to connect with you just as much as he wants to connect with me. So connect with him, church. Let him guide and direct you. And the preparation that will happen inside of that is huge for this next season for you. Your, your, your alacrity is important in this. So pay attention, elders, right? And then he shifts away from the elders a little bit. He begins to turn to talk to the sheep. Verse 5 says, likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Likewise, you who are younger. I don't know where young an old cutoff. It's a real challenging thing. I saw a video the other day and listening to a group of people they were interviewing and they said, yeah, if you were, if you were born prior to 1990, you were old. And I was like, these are all crazy people, right? They have obviously lost their minds. I don't know why we're interviewing those type of people. Uh, they have nothing for society left in them. Um, wherever you're at, whatever you feel like, and 90 is certainly... <laughs> Um, still young, I think, uh, but but young men, be be submissive. Like I said, don't don't get so far ahead of yourself. You have to balance zeal and wisdom. You, there's so many times I see guys who just like a ton of passion and they're just running around like crazy people, but zero wisdom. Right? You have to balance it. I don't. I'm not trying to harness you. And it's like, well, you're just quenching the spirit. No, I'm not. Right? I'm trying to help you to understand. That if you're not careful, what we've said here is, if you skip the process and try to leap up the staircase of responsibility, your spiritual legs will. They just won't have the strength. They will have atrophy. And when you get to the top and you feel the weight of the tending of that position, your baby giraffe legs will collapse under the pressure. It just doesn't work. There's a process that has to happen. It's God's way to develop you. And every process that he has, there's stops along the way. And what will happen in that is you'll be get the tools that are necessary for you to be effective in the next season that he's taking you to. That's why it's like that. So church leaders are very often older people. That's fine. It's not bad. But we still need the youth. We need to come together to unify to this. So that's why Peter is writing to the younger ones to say, hey, listen, and clothe yourselves with humility, which is something that is losing, like, everything. And I says, where is humility? I'm talking about real, genuine humility. Authentic humility. That's a, like, that's tough, right? And sometimes we get in a call, like, it's at church, so we have to be, we have to be humble at church, Right? It's like, uh, even like opening the door, no, you go, no, you go, no, you go, oh. Then we make jokes about it to try to offset the weirdness of it, like, oh, age before beauty, pearls before swine, you know, it's like, oh, it's like it, doesn't, it doesn't work, right? It just, just be real. If somebody opens the door for me, I'm like, thank you, man, I'm going in. <laughs> Praise God. Now, if you want to race to the door, that's a whole different story, but be humble. This our, our world has a major problem with this. In fact, it has such a problem with humility 
that we've devoted a whole month, and we call it Pride Month. Come, where, where we distort God's plan for sexuality, and we twist it and turn it out and make it all weird and crazy and backwards and say we are proud of our sexual immorality. We're proud of it. Now, you might have a problem with that today, but that's just the word. And not only that, when we're saying we're, we're proud of our sin, you are literally saying, I want to fight God because God opposes the proud. Listen, if you want to fight God, that's up to you, but you're going to lose. You're going to lose. You're going to lose. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. This is the way it is in real humility, authentic humility. When you see that, it's, it's really so attractive, isn't it? And I think somewhere along the line, people got it twisted where we thought like humility was weakness. When in fact it's a strength. And it should be the strength of the church. Jesus un of course, he understood that he was divine, but he was trying to get his disciples to understand this in John 13 that he said, he's, he, he gets them and they're, they're eating and he stops and he gets a, a towel on his waist and he stops and he gets down and he washes their feet. That's wild in the, in the world's eyes. That's the wildest thing, right? Anybody been in a foot washing service? Let me see your hand. More than I thought. It's a lot, like the most humbling, humbling thing. And I don't even talk about washing feet. I'm like, having your feet washed is absolutely, it'll rip you out of yourself. It literally will just put you beside yourself. And like, my goodness, and Jesus washes the disciples' feet. They couldn't grasp it. And he's trying to teach them. And he's saying, with the Gentiles, what he's really saying is, with the world, the world is like, I want to be served. I want to I get to a place where I can be served. And if I can get a butler and I can get somebody to clean the house and wash the cars and the boats and all this stuff. And okay, all of that's fine. But if you just want to spend your life being served. But he says to, to them and to us as Christians and disciples, not so with you. We do things differently. We do things counterintuitive to the way the world works, and so it's opposite. The world wants to be served, but we came to serve. We came to serve, not to be served. Peter uses his proverbial wisdom, quoting from chapter 3. Verse 6 says, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he will exalt, exalt you. And then verse 7 is real, a real coffee cup type of verse, right? This is one where like, we like to get in the morning and get my coffee and like, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Sip. <laughs> right? That's my favorite coffee mug. This is, this is so much more than a coffee cup verse or a little plaque that your grandma crocheted and you hang in your bathroom. There's so much more than that. Cast all your anxieties on him. Here's where we fail. We make this reactive instead of proactive. And so we wake up in the morning and we're like, check my Instagram. Yep, okay, 150 people like my post. Respond to a few DMs. Okay, uh -huh. Uh, go downstairs, get my coffee, and then slide into my verse of the day, check. 
haven't really talked to God yet. We're marching through life, aren't we? What, just, just imagine with me for a second that you woke up in the morning and your phone was in another room. Like a whole other room. <laughs> what would we do? <laughs> well, that's my alarm clock. Well, go to Amazon and get an alarm clock. Probably like three bucks delivered tomorrow. What if, you, what, if you, what if you begin to set the tone in the day like when you woke up and Instagram wasn't your first and your first thought was, I woke up. This is your day, God. And before the crazy even starts, it's all yours. Before, see, you see, that, that's a different, that's, that's proactive rather than reactive. And before it even starts, if you got kids in the room, you know what I'm talking about. Before it even starts, sometimes you don't even get to wake up. You got a little thing in your ear like, it's time to get up, yo. <laughs> You're like, go get some cereal. It's five o'clock. Crazy person. Love you. <laughs> Catching everything. You got it all, all the crazy, all the anxieties. And you know why? You know why? Because there's a sustaining in that. Isn't it you who sustains yourself? If you start working on it, it, it that's not sustainable. It's not scalable because the crazy just keeps coming, right? But if you will cast all your cares on him, what does it say? He cares for you, right? So if he cares for you, then he's the sustainer of your life. We call creator, sustainer, and like we say that about the universe, but he can't sustain my life. No, he can sustain you. And if you will give your cares, if you will give your anxieties, if you will give your nervousness, if you will give your depression, if you will give him your kids, your job, everything, before it even kicks off, he'll care for you. He'll sustain you. Doesn't mean everything was easy, Paul. Paul said, Three times I asked for this thorn to be removed from my side. Three times. And the King James says, thrice. Three times I asked for it. But he didn't get removed, but he said, my grace is sufficient for you. Christ sustains. Verse 8 says, be sober-minded. Be sober-minded. It's not just gather your thoughts. No, be sober. When you're not sober, you make stupid decisions. Shouldn't use stupid from the pulpit, but it's the truth. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. You better be sober. You better have some thought process. You better be watchful. Why? Because the devil is out to take some. It says someone. Don't be the someone. He's going to get somebody. Don't be that guy. And it's not like, what, what can I do? Where's the cutoff? Like, what can I get away with to still not get devoured? Remember they said, if we're getting chased by a lion, right? Like me and Dawn, we're getting chased by a lion. I don't have to, I don't have to outrun the lion. I just have to outrun Dawn. <laughs> it's, not, it's not like that, right? <laughs> it's not like that. No, your, your walk with Christ is your walk with Christ. This isn't a comparison with somebody else. Yeah, but they were doing worse. No, it ain't that. Says, resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Resist the word there really means to withstand. 
And as I've told you over the weeks and weeks and weeks, it's like we're just we're soft now. We can't withstand anything. Anybody remember the, the physical fitness awards from school? You're old, by the way. That's how we know you're old. <laughs> I just figured it out right there. <laughs> they used to have to do pull-ups, like a certain push-ups and sit-ups and, and run a certain thing. What? We thought about anything. The kids today would think that was done on like a Nintendo Wii, if that's still a thing. <laughs> no, you got to actually be physical. But you got to withstand. You have some grit, have some determination. James 4, 7 says, submit yourself, therefore be God, uh, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. There's got to be a, a, de a defense on you, but also an offense at the same time. We're not just on our heels, but you got to be able to take a shot. You got to be able to take a shot. And until you've taken a shot, you... You're, you, you, some of you are so worried. Like, oh, it's going like, to hurt if I get hit. Yeah, it's going to hurt. Well, you're going to die. Then you realize, like, oh, I, got, like, I can take some shots. It's okay. And I, I've got some, something. I'm getting, I'm getting stronger. I'm getting tougher in the seasons. And Christ followers are going to have to stand firm against Satan. You depend on Jesus, but you stand. Stand. Verse 10, after you have suffered a little while. The God of all grace who has called you into his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. I love that. Restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish. That's you. You stand your ground. You withstand. Stand firm. Hold the ground. Dwell. Abide. Maintain. Just stay with him. He's the vine. You are the branches. Those who dwell, right? Dwell. This is your reward. Restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish. Stand with me real quick as I finish this up, please. He says, to him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. The power. Dominion. Then he greets them. I still want to so faithful brother. I regard him. I have written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. Stand firm. Be encouraged. Stand fast. Hold tight. She who is at Babylon, who is likewise chosen, sends greetings, and so does Mark, my son, his spiritual son. Greet one another with a kiss of love and peace to all who are in Christ. The whole world, I tell you all the time, is looking for peace. They just go all about the wrong ways looking for it. Substances, vacations, and money, and whatever. It just never works. It never works. If you don't have Christ in your life, you will not have peace in your life. Can't happen. C.S. Lewis said, no Christ, N-O, no peace. No Christ, K-N-O-W, Christ, no peace, K-N-O-W. No, you can't do it without him. You cannot have it without him. You can have happiness. Happiness is fleeting. You're all pretty happy right now. It's a good day. I could change that very quickly. Literally, seven, eight words. You guys will be mad as snakes leaving here. But nobody can steal your joy. Nobody, that's the, that's the strength that you got to live with. That's, that's it. It's you hold on and you're able to live with that no matter what happens. Just like Paul in the Philippian jail. He's hanging out and he's writing about joy. He was filled. He was strengthened. He was established. He was confirmed. How many of you need peace in the room for this next season? Let me see your hands. Yeah, that's what I thought. 
Bow your heads with me today, please. Father, as we just pause, we know that there's not a lot of time throughout the week where we just get quiet. So I think these moments are special. As the Holy Spirit, I'm just asking that you dispense to every single person into this room the knowledge of where they are with you and the hunger to have more of you. Father, don't let us leave like we came in here in Jesus' name. Change us from the inside out. And we're thrilled that you have chosen us to live in this period of time. It could have been anywhere and anyone, but you chose us. And so I pray for the elders in this place, the ones who are mature in their faith. I pray that you will strengthen them like never before, that maybe they've been doing this a long time, but even a fresh fire inside of them, a fresh stirring for this next season as they grab some younger ones and begin to disciple. Pray for the younger ones, God, new one in the faith, they got to ton of passion, but give them wisdom. Give them wisdom. God, let us all unite, all the generations come together for the purpose of expanding your kingdom and glorifying you. You're going to get the glory, Lord. You're going to get the glory. All yours. We believe in our heart. We confess with our mouth that you are Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving us. Holy Spirit, run the show. We are yours. We are yours. We belong to you for your service, for your glory. Thank you for every person in this room. Continue to work in us and on us and through us. And I'm so thankful you still flow through rusty vessels. Help us as we transport your goodness to the world, your good deeds that you have prepared for us. We love you. We honor and bless you. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen and amen. Can we put our hands together? We always pray our benediction. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Love you guys.